Hi, and welcome to the Heartseed Health Podcast. I'm Noah Goldstein. Together, we're learning to cultivate health as we talk to incredible health-inspiring people about projects, programs, and events. This week, we're in part two of a conversation with Daniel Leibowitz, a sex therapist here in Boulder. Um, he's the co-director of the Intimacy Institute. You'll be jumping into a conversation currently about the roles, the division of roles in a relationship and how that affects intimacy. Um, it's really great, but I do recommend going back and listening to part one first just to get a sense of the, the bigger um, conversation and, and where we've come from and because it's a really good conversation. I hope you guys all enjoy it, and if you do, feel free to spread the word. Um, look forward to having you all on the show again next time. Thanks. And, I mean, I think it's also interesting that it has to be, you know, an either-or. Right. So, I mean, I know, like, my wife and I take turns cooking dinner. I'll cook one night, she'll cook the next. We take turns cleaning up, you know, and maybe it falls more into one of our courts than the other, and maybe there are some unspoken assumptions, and, you know, certainly there are some things that one of us takes care of and the other doesn't, but I... I mean, I know, I imagine that many people out there appreciate it when the other person, ta- when, they, when their partner takes the reins in bed, regardless of their gender. Um, and, and that, yeah, it doesn't have to be that the, that one person, you know, male or female is always the initiator or always the um, one setting things up in a certain way. And, and and having that ability to ebb and flow between um, between who's taking the lead or between who's sort of setting the course is probably also valuable for both partners. Absolutely, and and I think it's more about an ability to feel comfortable in both the driver's seat and the passenger right. seat, and that's across the board in relationships because. Ultimately, sex is a window into the relationship. And so the dynamics that play out in sex play out in the relationship at large. If you aren't comfortable in the driver's seat, we need to evaluate why and understand what you're missing and how to access that part of yourself just as much as it's important to be able to be comfortable sitting in the passenger Mm -hmm. seat and just enjoy the experience. And that can be related to a family trip that can be about you know the the garden you're planting or that can be around you know what kind of sex you're having on tuesday night and so there needs to be that flexibility but also in it's an ability to be in both seats comfortably and Uh therefore it becomes a choice for both both people rather than you're typecasted into one seat or the other right Right. And there's an element there that, I mean, it's an edge for a lot of people. Control is something I think of that comes up. People who have a strong desire on being in control and and maybe it's a challenge for them to let go of that control. Um, and, And the vulnerability piece. I mean, I think intimacy, to me, 
almost inherently implies vulnerability and vulnerability and its relationship to strength versus weakness also there's a there's a sort of unspoken assumption i don't know and, and maybe i'm projecting my own whatever onto this but the sense that that vulnerability is equated with weakness that you know even though that is not the case it sometimes takes more strength of character to open up and be vulnerable because it's scary as all hell sometimes to truly bear your heart and to truly say something that that you don't know how it's going to be received that but but that's actually something that that's a truth that you have um is is challenging especially for men um because we're you know we're told we're supposed to be strong and taught that we're supposed to be strong and in control and um yeah do you you mind if i jump in and and sort of speak to that so vulnerability is only true vulnerability if there's also the ability to set boundaries and so because if you can't set a boundary then you're porous and and with with without the ability to set a boundary then sharing something of significance something really personal doesn't mean anything because you're not actually sharing something that you you have the ability to say i'm not going to share that with this person but i am going to share it with this person Mm -hmm. it makes it something special when you recognize that strength and ability to say i can set a boundary here but over here i'm going to be open Mm -hmm. because if it's not a choice then it's not really very vulnerable instead it's just exposed right and so and so vulnerability actually takes great strength and courage because it's saying i have the ability to set a boundary i have the ability to make a wall and and not show this part of myself to this person and instead i'm choosing to do so acknowledging the risk right so I think that that's that's huge and an area that a lot of men confuse because they go, well, if I'm going to be vulnerable, then I can't have a boundary. And if I'm going to have a boundary, then I can't be vulnerable. Right. And the problem is that that's either or thinking. Yeah. Rather than saying, well, maybe there's a benefit to both. How do I make sure that I am really conscious about bringing both of those pieces in? Yeah. Right. And. And I think that that oftentimes plays out in the bedroom. I think one of the things that happens for men is because this perception that vulnerability uh, is a, a form of weakness, what happens is we we avoid intimacy in one way or the other. And so what I see in the office frequently is men who are able to access sexual intimacy avoid emotional intimacy or physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. Men who are able to access emotional intimacy, sometimes struggle to access sexual intimacy. There's a way that we try to say, oh, there's our intimacy threshold that we're bumping up against, which on the one hand, I think it's important to be aware of. On the other hand, I think it's also a bit of a perception that we have a limited amount of intimacy that we're capable of achieving. Mm. Rather than looking at at intimacy as expansive and not restricted because you can have all different forms of intimacy. There's intimacy in friendship. There's intimacy in, 
in a parent child dynamic there's intimacy in a, a broad spectrum of situations right and when you're able to recognize oh i'm really seeking out intimacy in a broader sense then you start getting picky in a good way right being able to be choosy about how do i really want to access this kind of intimacy it goes back to the different types of pizza that you'd be ordering, right? Uh-huh. What what kind of intimacy am I in the mood for tonight? Right. Am I looking for something spicy? Am I looking for something sweet? Am I looking for something savory? Am I looking for something that is new? Am I looking for something that is my tried and true pizza flavor? Right. And and I think that um, yeah, there's it's, there's a time and a place for different types of intimacy and different types of vulnerability with different people mm-hmm. absolutely uh, and um i think one of the more profound um things about being in the healing profession is that people open up and th- there's a permission to be vulnerable with a doctor with a therapist with an acupuncturist. I mean, there's an assumption that that's part of the experience, the reason you're there. Um, and you know, it's a huge, it's a huge honor. It's a huge responsibility. Um, and I think it can also be incredibly reparative as far as that modeling a healthy relationship and, and healthy. I mean, I know that's the sort of part of what it's all about. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so you, you, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned children and you have two sons, correct? Uh, two adorable sons, I should say. Thank you. I think so um, too. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm curious, I'm curious if you, how you intend to model um manhood or malehood or um and fatherhood how you how you um hope to model intimacy as a man and yeah so i think the the first piece is i recognize that my children are sponges everything that i do they're going to soak up. And so the first thing I have to do is accept that responsibility and go, I have lots of choices in my daily life. And I have to look at each one of those choices and make sure that I am clear and direct with why I'm making those choices because otherwise I'm modeling things I'm not wanting to model. So that's the the first sort of overarching premise is that I have a responsibility for my actions and I have to make sure that I'm choosing the actions I want to be demonstrating to mm-hmm. them. Specific to how I'm going to and and currently do demonstrate masculinity and male vulnerability and and um, sort of being able to blend a, a strong sense of warriorship and and pride in in masculinity as well as a really strong vulnerability and intimacy that is accessible i think some of it is is 
modeled obviously with my relationship with my wife. And so a lot of that is that I very intentionally will kiss in front of my children. I, as one of my great relationship role models, my grandparents were madly in love with each other after over 50 years of marriage. Mm. And I routinely remember walking around a corner and catching grandma and grandpa smooching. (laughs) And that's lovely. And so I think there's something about it doesn't have to be a public display. It doesn't even have to be something that is shown off, but it has to be something that is visible enough in terms of demonstrating that there's a connection. And it's real. It's not like you try to like, oh, 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 the kids are coming. So I think there's that piece. Um, I think the other piece is also offering a a child appropriate way of them experiencing what that intimacy is like. Hmm. When I look at them, I look them in the eye and I say, I love you so much. You know, you are the, you know, you both are the best things that ever happened to me. Being able to just, you know, convey that being able to tear up and, and just hug them tight and say, Oh, I'm so grateful for you. And just feel they feel that squeeze. Yeah, that's vulnerable. That's a moment where they get to feel me expressing something that I really feel. And I think if they're able to see that and experience that and be on the receiving end of that, as well as see what that looks like in a romantic relationship in terms of how I interact with my wife, then what they're getting to see is, oh, this is what a man who is open and who expresses his emotions and his feelings towards the people he loves and cares about. Right. This is how he acts. And so for me, it's far more about just showing and demonstrating those gestures on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is how quickly they pick it up. My older son, who who just turned three in March, after me having been, I've been demonstrating this since he was born, and he's now at the stage where he's playing with it. He's interacting with it. And so he'll hug me and squeeze me tight, and he'll say, Papa, you're my honey, because uh, he hears yeah. my wife and I referring to each other that way. and Or he'll be like, Mama's my honey. Or he'll yeah. end up, he, he's trying it on for size. Yeah. And, and that is where we build our primary model for relationships Absolutely. is in early childhood. And you can see him trying on this idea of having somebody special that you really deeply connect with on an intimate level. Yeah. And so rather than sort of shooting that down or saying, no, 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 you know, you can't. Instead, what it is is like, you know, oh, well, you're my honey, too. And where did you hear that? You, you get curious uh-huh. about it because then you got, start to hear what are the, the connections he's making to this concept of intimacy and love. And right. it, it, it just ends up being a really amazing process to get to watch. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for it because it forces me to be on my A game every day yeah. because I'm like, all right, he is a sponge. He's picking this up. Absolutely. And... You know, so I, I think that's a key piece. The other piece is also, you know, I, I was listening to an interesting podcast the other day on on raising men, and the speaker was talking about this idea that he starts from the the assumption of he's going to say yes anytime his kids ask him anything, and he has to have a valid reason for saying no. 
Now uh-huh. he goes, I say no all the time. And, and, and I, I would say this is my own personal philosophy as well. I just right. heard it very well articulated by him. I say no plenty, but I have to make sure I have a reason. Yeah. I have to understand my intention behind it. Yeah. And so I think that's the other piece is that intimacy is is so intricately connected to intention. Because mm-hmm. you can't fake intimacy. Right. You can. There's plenty of things that can be faked during a sexual experience, but you can't fake the intimacy part. Yeah. And so that intention is the piece that that is the driver for intimacy. If your intention is connection, then it breeds intimacy. Mm -hmm. If your intention is to be selfish in a particular moment, that's not enhancing the intimacy. Now, there's definitely a time to be selfish to circle back to sex. There's a time to be able to sit back and enjoy an experience and to receive. Right. But... For both people in the relationship. Absolutely. Right. But... It, it's different than that intentional driver building intimacy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was very well put. Thank you. Yeah. So like, it's like what I do for a living. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'd like to, to start to wrap up here and I'm curious if there's anything that we haven't touched on that, um, that you'd like to be, you're obviously welcome to come back again another time. Um, I'd love to. And, but in, if there's anything else you think our listeners should, should be aware of, or, or you want to, you know, want them to be thinking about as, as be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so one of the things I definitely covered a lot more of the male sexuality side of things. Right. Um, and to recognize that, you know, my wife, um, is an amazing speaker on all topics related to sexuality. She blows me out of the water, but, um, that I oftentimes sort of reserve a lot of those topics with regards to female sexual functioning and, and, and women's experience during sex and, and interacting with their sexuality. Not that I don't cover those topics in my office, but I find that there is, there's a value to, her being able yeah. to speak to the to the, the woman's experience and me being able to speak to the man's experience. And maybe, you know, she can come on the show too. And that would be a great idea. But yeah. I just wanted to acknowledge that yeah. that's part of the reason why I didn't focus as much on the female experience, even though it's an incredibly essential part to explore and discuss and understand. Um, beyond that, I, I think the biggest piece that I always want people to take away from in terms of sex is that it's so much about communication. If you are uncomfortable talking about it, figure out a way to slow it down and do something that is pushing your edge, but not totally overwhelming. I have an exercise I have couples do, which is called hand caress. And so basically you're just one person offers their hand. The other person just touches their hand and in that experience, what you do is grunts, groans, and moans. So you might go, mm, 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 And that's a form of communicating about touch that you're receiving on your hand uh-huh. that translates to sex. Because if you're not comfortable talking about, I don't like that, move two inches over to the left, you know, squeeze me right here. If you're not comfortable saying that, you're able to at least articulate some form of sound. 
starting with the hands in a way that's comfortable and then right. we build from there. So I think it's just to recognize that communication looks like a lot of different things. Sometimes it's breaking it down to really basic things and just to encourage everybody to have more conversations around intimacy and what they're trying to really gain in terms of an intimate and connected partnership mm, okay. or experience if you're not in a partnership. Right. I bet if everybody did that, everyone would be a touch happier and the world would be a, a touch better. I think they'd probably be, yeah, a, a much more relaxed general <laughs> population. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more or have a conversation or yeah, so they can go to www.theintimacyinstitute.org. Um, and so they're able to find all the information on there about our entire team and everything that we offer in terms of workshops, in terms of uh, counseling options, in terms of any recent uh, publications that we've been involved in or, or different events. And so that's the primary way that people Great. can find us. Okay. And yeah. Cool. Well, I, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Thank all of you who um, are still listening um, to for taking the time to, to listen. Um, feedback is always welcome and encouraged. And uh, we look forward to, to having you guys all on the show too next time. Thanks. Bye. Shed their skin, allow light to